your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. We're hoping that Deb Glotman, who is the co-founder and president of the Mitzvah Fund, joins us this morning. We've been talking all morning by email, so I'm sure she will. This is one of the most, I have never heard of the Mitzvah Fund. And when we had a show on with the VDART people, who are the Vermont Disaster Animal Response Team during the flood, they set up here in uh, Barry City at the ice rink. And I heard about it and, and went up and um, left off some food that I had from my puppy. And um, I, I had them on the show, and it was an amazing organization that uh, ready to set up at a moment's notice to help our furry friends here. So uh, when I was talking um, to the representative from VDART, she talked about the Mitzvah Fund came, and um, they came in a van. Uh, they have a mobile van. Um, and they provide veterinarian services and, um, to some extent, some non, I think they use the word em- emergent, or more like non-emergency sort of surgery, things that they can do, uh, dental uh, shots, things like that, that can, that can keep an animal safe um, until perhaps they get them to the, um, the, the more involved ser- uh, services that they need. And... Um, uh, the woman, uh, Deb Glotman, started this with um, a, a partner of hers who is a vet, and they have an amazing team of people around Vermont. And the term mitzvah uh, is a Hebrew word, which um, I'm going to probably not do it justice, but what it means is a good deed done from from your religious duty, that, um, uh, that part of your religion is to do good and to do a mitzvah, uh, is a good thing, and so um, they named their organization the Mitzvah Fund, and they take donations, um, and um, it's just an am- it's an amazing um, it's an amazing uh, uh, organization, and they've got all kinds of volunteers um, throughout Vermont, and um, they provide services, as I mentioned, dental shots, um, you know, minor minor injuries. Um, there, there is some surgery that we can do, and Deb has joined us. Deb, how are you? Hey, well, Sorry about oh, that. No, oh, that's okay. Don't worry about it. I, I just you mentioned about how you like to gab. I'm right with you, so we could get along really well. So I just, I just keep gabbing. Um, but anyway, I've introduced uh, who you are, and we just started to talk about. I, I did uh, uh, talk about mitzvah itself because um, I love that word. Maybe you could explain yeah. it. I, I mentioned that it's a good deed from a religious perspective, but maybe how did your organization get the name Mitzvah Fund? Um, so uh, my family is Jewish, but um, we are far from a very religious uh, group. Um, but every night when we would sit down for dinner, my dad would say, so what mitzvahs did you guys do today? And everybody knew better than to ever come to the table without uh, a good answer for that. Um, so uh, that's how that started. And then um, we had a doctor and I had a practice together and we found that we were having to do a lot of mitzvahs because there were just a lot of Vermonters in need. Um, and we, you know, that's how the mitzvah fund came about was within our private practice, we really needed to um, find solutions uh, for animals in need. Um, sometimes, 
you know, the solution was that they had to be rehomed, unfortunately, but more often than not, we would uh, figure out a way to pay for what the animal needed, um, either by uh, local donors or grants, and then uh, we would return the animal back to the owner. Um, so as it progressed in 2014, we became a 501c3, and um, then when Stonecliff Veterinary Surgical Center opened in Vermont, uh, uh, opened in Montpelier, we rented from them for three years uh, on the days that they were closed, uh, which was three days a week. We would magically come in with all of our equipment and everything and become the mitzvah, the mitzvah fund um, a la Stonecliff. Um, and then uh, one of my sales reps came to me and said, you know, you should really look into these mobile units. Um, and I said, uh, what, you know, like a truck with a hospital in it? What are you talking about? So I looked more into it and realized that it was actually pretty, a pretty incredible unit. And I went to Ohio and looked at them um, uh, firsthand. And it is a full surgical suite, a full dental suite, um, all within 36 feet. <laughs> And I get to be the bus driver too. So, um, so it, the, the truck is like 42 feet long total. And, uh, luckily I had driven horse trailers most of my life, so I could drive it. Um, it's crazy that you don't need a CDL. Uh, but, uh, luckily I haven't hit too many things and, um, uh, and that's how it sort of came to be. Um, we we had a new one on the on the line being built, and my sales rep uh, called and said, "So I probably shouldn't do this, but I just got a used one uh, that I'm about to put on our website. That is a carbon copy of what you ordered, except um, it has 9,000 miles on it, Whoa. which for a which for a Freightliner is nothing. Um, So uh, I called the gentleman in Minnesota and spoke to him and he texted over pictures and, you know, it looked brand new. And um, we were only about an eighth of the way of raising money for it. Um, So we had to think fast and thinking fast yielded utilizing my home equity line of credit. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so sent the guy a check by the next morning at 1030. And then a friend of mine who does have her CDL in Ohio, um, she, I flew her to Rochester, Minnesota, and she picked up the truck and then brought it to the manufacturer in Columbus because we, uh, we, had, we had a back door added just for an out. And also um, it's just a bigger door. So folks that need just, you know, kind of wider steps can get in it. Right. Um, some dogs rather the back door than the front door. Um, and then we added some more cages because that, that gentleman was just a, he was a surgeon and he only had one big cage in the whole unit. So we added a bank of four cages um, and we added, uh, we moved equipment around. He had x-ray in surgery and we didn't like that. So we moved x-ray into the dental suite and um so that was uh she drove it uh from minnesota in december and we picked it up in columbus or i picked it up in columbus ohio uh, in february of oh, 2022 that's exciting. 
So yeah. your yeah. website says you do non-emergent care. So what are you able to do in, in this mobile van? What I know dental for so, sure. What other, yeah. what other so kinds do, of stuff? We do everything. It has, it has two... Uh, it has two anesthesia machines, one in our dental suite and one in our surgical suite. Um, it has x-ray. It has, uh, well, body x-ray, and then we have uh, dental x-ray as well. Um, we have all, like, the nicest and biggest um, uh, monitors and, you know, safety options. Because you, you have to remember that many of our uh, patients, are they're not just that the clients are seniors, but seniors tend to have senior animals. So all of really all of our animals are, you know, they're often lifelines for these folks. Um, so it is of absolute imperativeness that nothing happens to them. And meanwhile, often they have not had any veterinary care. So. Um, when that's the case, uh, you know, we we try to do everything preemptively. We call it our pregame to make sure that we have the best anesthetic patient the day of the surgery. Um, and then all of our patients stay with us overnight. Um, I don't like to send back an animal to a senior, especially a cat that's going to go lie down underneath the bed and they're not going to be able to um, see it or notice, you know, that there's something awry. So we keep them overnight, which um, if they, if the senior citizen is uh, is able to use a cell phone or has a family member that uses a cell phone, we text them pictures and we will take little videos and I call them um, before they go to bed <laughs> um, and, you know, give them an update. And the truck is parked outside my home. Um, it has a, a big electrical drop uh, of its very own. And then... Um, but we don't leave the animal, you know, even though it would be fine because it's heated and nice and quiet, um, we bring the animal into a foster room that we have. It's our, like, hospitalization room uh, in my house that's right off my kitchen so that I can get up and give them pain meds and antibiotics and whatever else they might need overnight. Oh, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Now, I read that you are – I don't know about what's happened with the, the flood – but you uh, were a regular visitor to the uh, Montpelier City Hall. That that you'd be there on Fridays, right? How did that? Yeah. Work? So um, I don't remember so, um, seeing this truck. I have got to check it out. Yeah. So um, on the website, there's a good video of uh, uh, me showing people around the truck. So that's something you can look at. Um, so um, when we were getting the truck. Uh, we had to figure out a place that we could park so that we could see all of our patients. The way the, the protocol goes is we see them on a Friday and get their blood work, do any x-rays that need doing, um, and then we get all of that information back. And then on, um, the, on the following week, like on Monday or Tuesday, we call them back with their blood work. We've assessed the people. Um, whether or not um, they're they're able to get their um, or dental done, whatever they need, um, and then uh, on Tuesdays and Thursdays we do surgery um, here at our home base uh, in East Montpelier, um, and we do that uh, primarily because well, one, it's nice to have the truck plugged in. We can do 
everything on the road because we have a really nice generator that works for, you know, hours and hours and hours without a problem. It works off of our diesel. Um, but it's always nicer to do it from home. Plus, it's really nice to be close to a bathroom, which right now in Montpelier, there is no public bathroom <laughs> because of the flood. <laughs> so uh, it makes for it makes for a long day because we drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> so, Deb, um, before you got on the air, I was talking about how I heard about the Mitzvah Fund and was from the VDART people, who were the Vermont Disaster Animal Response Team, that were up in the... Um, uh, in the bar- by the Barry Aud, uh right after the disaster, yeah. and and could you? They must have called you, and you arrived. Yeah. And and what did you do for all the, the animals that they brought in? Sure. Um, so uh, so for anybody who who didn't get to see it, um, the humans were being sheltered in the auditorium, and then all the animals were being sheltered in the ice rink across, kind of across the way from the, the auditorium. Uh, so the owners could visit them. Uh, they had three two-hour periods of, of visitation throughout the day. Um, most of the owners were able to, you know, do everything that the animals needed for the most part um, so that there was some continuity to these animals' day. Um, and what we realized or what uh, CB Dart realized um, very shortly into it is that because the flood affected a lot of community, a lot of the area that was, you know, uh, blue-collar worker-type families and, um, uh, you know, folks that were in a lot of ways already struggling, many of these animals that came in didn't have any vaccines, didn't have, uh, you know, needed some level of medical care to some extent. So they called us regarding a cat that actually is still living here um, that needed he had blocked and couldn't urinate. Um, so he, uh, so I went and I, we checked him and um, Connie, my veterinarian, was actually away at the time. So we did a FaceTime on him and she was on her way back anyway. So um, we brought him back to our hospitalized room and um, the next day we had to sedate him anyway because he did block. But um, so that sort of opened the floodgates to the fact that all these animals needed a fair amount of work. And once we reviewed all of them, um, I just started to drive there every day and I would pull into the ice rink and turn around and set up a shop. Um, uh, we, the truck is, we call him baby Huey cause he's a huge man, baby. Um, things, things tend to go wrong in baby Huey often, um, because it is an animal hospital on wheels. So it, it's RV living at its best, um, as we call it. So, you know, things, um, if you can imagine in an RV, you're running down the road and things are jiggling and moving. Well, add medical equipment and <laughs> things that shouldn't really be moving. Um, and it makes for um, a macgyver kind of day every day. Um, so anyway, so we would park in the ice rink and just see patients all day. We had um, veterinarians from all parts of the state that volunteered. Uh, Dr. Emily Crawford from Waterbury Vet Clinic uh, volunteered for us. Um, uh, uh, Dr. Blakely uh, Murrell from Kedron Valley and Woodstock volunteered for us. And then our own veterinarians also came and uh, worked multiple days so that we got 
everybody seen and everybody managed because it was a really high speed, even though they worked super hard at keeping the stress as low as possible. Um, these animals just, just like they're humans, uh, were enduring so much stress that, um, you know, things would, things that wouldn't have necessarily gone awry when they were home, um, the stress of being in a kennel situation, uh, would, you know, bring about complications that, uh, wouldn't have happened if they were at home without a blood situation. So yeah, I know that's I was how talking we... to the woman up at the up at the ice rink, and my dog has got diabetes and needs their insulin. And you know, yeah. in an emergency, how would V Dart or you all know that that's the case with uh, Coco? Because, yeah, you know, she's yeah, normally so... fine, but it can get into some pretty serious situations. Exactly. So, so we we did. Um, luckily, the fact that the owners could be right across the way was huge. Right. Um, because that continuity of care, you know, was there. And then um, we worked closely with all the local veterinary hospitals that um, had seen the animals ever. Um, Uh. And a lot of them, you know, only had a rabies vaccine from, you know, a rabies clinic uh, here and there. Many of them hadn't had any veterinary issues in their lives, or they did, but the owners didn't have the funding uh, to be able to care for them. So, um, we, uh, of the, like, Chowder, the, the cat with that's blocked, is still having, he's, he's of course, not a straight-up uh, urinary tract cat, and he is still here with us. He's actually hopefully going home today to a new apartment. Um, but, uh, you know, eight weeks later for an animal, you know, and a human for that matter, but it, it's it's a lot of displacement and a lot of stress. So, right. um and cats especially, they um, they are really good at not letting you know how stressed out they are. But he, um, I think, was on the brink of having urinary tract disease and the, the change in, uh, you know, the flood and the emergent aspect of all of his life, all of his life kind of falling apart, pushed him over the edge. Um, and the other good thing was is that a lot of these folks that didn't know that their animals had things like dental disease or heart disease or, you know, because we were right there and could take x-rays and send out blood work and do all the things that we do every day, um, they were able to learn a fair amount quickly um, about what their animals' future needs were. Um, we were incredibly lucky to have already been um, – in discussions with a, a, a phenomenal foundation that provides um, uh, grants to organizations like ourselves that are just trying to really um, help the human-animal bond, um, and that's the Irving and Phyllis Milstein Foundation. Um, and so we went to them and said, you know, we're in the middle of this terrible emergency. Would you guys be game to entertain an emergent grant um, so that we can do what all these animals need. And they flew into gear and absolutely came through for us so that I could order anything that we needed and um, take care of all the animals there. And it didn't cost CV Dart or the owners anything. Um, oh, wonderful. Was, and what was the name of this organization? Yeah. What was sure. It's, it's, it's the Irving and Phyllis Milstein Foundation. Wow. And well, they're thank at you the, very it, much to them. I, 
Yeah, it's ipmilsteinfoundation.org, and they are just an amazing group um, that uh, does some just really outside-the-box uh, funding of um, of other organizations that are trying to kind of think of things outside the box for their communities. Um, and they, um, we, we in Vermont are very lucky that one of their um, directors now lives in Burlington, and they fund where all the directors live. So um, it's we just we got really lucky because he he moved here from Illinois, and uh, his son goes to UVM and is actually maybe just graduated with his PhD, and therefore he came here and. Um, uh, you know, he was very excited to help, um, and awesome. he's going to continue to help uh, CV Dart and B Dart as well. Oh, that's wonderful! How excited! I have learned more about through this disaster about the most like yourself and the V Dart that I didn't know existed before all of this happened. And and when you're talking to people, you find out all of these amazing services that are and people that are willing to help and want to jump in and. It's just amazing, this state. I, it, I really it, it, love it. Every day. Yeah, every yeah. day. Um, you know, when people say, you know, the little, the mighty state or the little state that could or, um, <laughs> uh, you know, what, whatever, like, I I just, the, the open hearts and the kindness, you know, our, all of our leashes say kindness first and, um, and our truck says it as well, but um, you people really do live by that here in Vermont and we see it all the time um, and what people, you know, donate to us and come from across the state to, you know, give us dog beds. And we, we did a um, dog coat um, drive uh, in the winter and I have like 400 dog coats in my living room. (laughs) Wow. Wonderful. yeah, so we're ready for this winter, um, and you know we're gonna we've divided them all out by the exact inches that they are, so that we can really, um, you know, dole them out appropriately. Um, so yeah, we we see it all the time, and this, you know, the the flood, especially Montpelier, if folks don't know, you know, it, it has it has just it's been absolutely one of the worst right. situations that anybody can imagine and it's still a ghost town and we don't have a post office for 18 to 24 months and you know so many businesses had just opened or had just uh moved to a bigger location and now you know they can't reopen or if they do reopen they have debt for another 30 years um it's it's really our capital cities um in crisis to say the least and our and our unhoused population is so much more in crisis than it already was and good Samaritan Haven and another way these these groups that were already overwhelmed are just so overwhelmed I can't um yep. I can't say enough um and and what ended up happening so once very few folks were finding housing and that's still the case so everybody that was they couldn't close the animal shelter until all the humans found housing of any kind so that the animals could go with them. Uh So uh, I think it was a total of 28 days that the shelter was open. And you have to remember that it's being manned by CB DART volunteers 24 hours a day. So that took, that took quite a scheduling, you know, everybody was trying to 
do their jobs and get through the whole flood thing themselves, along with the factor that they had to get through the, the, the mayhem that was volunteering. I read something on your website, Deb, which I don't even know if that I want to get into this discussion because it drives me crazy. You read that you also foster neglected or abused cases awaiting court procedures. Oh, yeah. I don't know how I could do that. So, yeah, so, so we, we do that um, to some extent. Uh, we've Since we've gone full-time, to be honest, we've had uh, not so much less cases but just less. Um, need because we ha- we have a pretty good network of uh, foster homes in place. Um, but yes, we've we have helped um, we help the Montpelier Police Department um, as often as necessary uh, regarding uh, if they have an arrest and there's a dog in a car, we are called out to often you know because the officers are in uniform, uh, dogs don't love them. <laughs> So uh, I go down there at 10 o'clock at night smelling like hot dogs and throw lots of hot dogs into their car, and somehow I become okay. Um, and then we <laughs> keep the animal until a family member can come and, and take them or the person gets released. Um, but the same thing, you know, is it, it happens every day that there are families that um, are found to, you know, need to go into long care, long long. Uh, term care facilities because yep. seniors are too senior to care for themselves or there's special needs, um, you know, children that uh, can no longer help the senior care for themselves and they have to go in. So often they have wonderful animals that are supporting the system that they are in, um, you know, the, the, the situation they're in, um, and they have to be rehomed. Um and often we are called in by the police departments to take in the animal, assess their medical needs, take care of whatever medical needs they need, and then we work closely with um, multiple shelters, specifically Central Vermont Humane Society, and they help us rehome these animals if we don't have a good immediate option by just, um, you know, we have an ongoing list of folks that call us and say, you know, we're looking for an under 20 pound dog or, you know, we'd love an older cat. So we just keep those lists going so that when an opportunity arises, we we have folks to call. What a great network um, you have. Deb, we've got a caller that called in Mary from Randolph Center. Uh, Mary, uh, you're on the air. Go ahead. You have a question? Hi. Good morning, ladies. What a wonderful service that you provide for our animals and uh, their owners. Uh, it's just incredible. And the biggest point that is coming home to me is in the beginning of your interview when you said how all this started, and it started around your family's kitchen table. And I think that yeah. makes an incredible point to everybody out there, that things can stick with children and be life-changing for everybody that surrounds them. That's so That's true, Mary. That's a great point, Mary. Uh, my my dad, dad uh, unfortunately, yeah, can you hear me? Yes, go ahead. Yes. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away while I was doing Katrina relief um, with actually a whole team of Vermonters. And uh, when we were doing up his eulogy, that's exactly what we kept coming up with, was everything that was happening at our kitchen table um, and our living room table and our dining room table. Just um, he was such a wealth of knowledge and was always um, – 
he was a really great advisor, not always the greatest listener, but always a great advisor. And, uh, and it, it has definitely run, run true to all three of us, all three of us. Um, we're all very, uh, community minded and, um, and I think that, uh, more, more uh, children need that these days. But I'll tell you, the best donors of of our entire day every Friday, whenever we're downtown, are little kids that walk up to us and hand us like a quarter, and just say, "Could you, could you see if that man's dog needs a nail trim over there? Is this enough?" Or like they just they move us. We want to. We love doing farmers markets because of the fact that the kids um, really get. Um, you know, it, they come into the truck and their eyes are wide open, and they get to see X-rays, and they get to see. Uh, we have these really good dental molds, and they get to learn about all the stuff. And they really are our future. And um, and the veterinary field is fast you know, fast and furiously becoming way too much like the medical field. Um, so it's, you know, so um, it just, it gives us a bright light uh, when we do those things. And and honestly, one of the hardest things that has happened to the MITSA fund is we looked forward to our Saturday farmer's markets um, so much. And we've opted to, they're now at the Vermont um College of Fine Arts, and there's just not a lot of parking, and Baby Huey is enormous, and he would take up four parking spots. So we've opted not to continue with the farmer's markets, um, just so that more people can go visit the farmer's market farmers, and and also they have the uh, Montpelier uh, businesses are there now as well. Um, and But it, it, it hurts our soul, because we really enjoyed seeing the kids. I bet. Could you tell us a little bit about um, all the work you're doing with the Central Vermont Council on Aging? You had a clinic yeah. in Waysville, and the email you sent me, I'm like, my goodness, does this woman ever sleep? You were like 24 no, 7. No, I, I know. Um, I, I don't sleep. Uh, I have this uh, thing in my refrigerator that you can sleep when you're dead, and it's kind of true. Because <laughs> uh, uh, we, um, so we have come into this awesome, absolutely wonderful collaboration with uh, Central Vermont Council on Aging and Meals on Wheels. And the three of us feverishly grant right so that we can continue to do these once a month clinics. And what it's also done is kind of directly feed us our clients without us having to wait for them to hear about us. So um, what this means is that um, CVCOA you know, has clients that come to their weekly distribution centers for Meals on Wheels because that's how they collaborate all the time with them. Um, so how they are um, getting all these folks into these senior centers anyway um, is a really great way of, you know, letting them know that we exist. And then also they provide flyers um, to all the Meals on Wheels folks that are getting deliveries. So um, we do these clinics once a month, um, and they usually generate eight very complicated cases. We kind of take the ones that need the most amount of care, and then we put the rest on either on a waiting list for the next clinic, or we put them on a waiting list to come 
uh, to see us on a Friday, one or the other. Um, and then uh, we see the animal at the, the clinic day and we do bloods or um, x-rays or whatever they need. And then uh, today is the, so we had the clinic on Tuesday. So today, um, I don't know if you guys can hear all the dinging, but my, my lab is sending all the blood work that we sent in. Uh, we get the results back and then we call the owners and make a plan. Unfortunately, we're booking into uh, late October for our um, dentistry needs and surgical needs unless somebody's urgent and then we make, you know, different, uh, we just, we move things around. Um, but that is pretty much what um, these CBCOA clinics are for is that we are seeing folks that are 60 and over um, that are in need of veterinary care, but they can't afford it for whatever reason. Most of them are on fixed incomes. Most of them are, um, you know, good hard workers that have now retired. Often they have, you know, special needs because of, of the hard work that they did. Um, and then uh, we set them up to, um, with either, we have really great volunteers that provide rides, uh, so that if an animal can't get to us, we can get to them. Um, and then uh, CBCOA has just been amazing uh, in, in helping us write. They write grants so that they can continue to subsidize us nominally. You know, they pay us per patient, uh, depending if it's a simple or a complicated. Um, and then we at the same time go out and get grants uh, that will help to offload the cost of, you know, getting eight cases once a month that pretty much all of them need something. Of the, of the eight that we saw on Tuesday, uh, seven of them will need either a, a dentistry anesthetic event or a surgery, and two of them are, are pretty urgent in getting in sooner rather than later. So we're we doing our schedule so that we can get an extra surgery day in because these animals shouldn't wait. So that's, that's how that collaboration works. Um, okay, and we're hoping to keep that going forever because uh, it's, it's been wonderful for, uh, for everybody. Well, I should, and, I should thank we, Mary for and calling it's all in. Central she, called in, she called in from a, with a woman that called a Randolph center and that's you are, you go down to the Randolph senior center, mm-hmm. which is what you're talking about. With, for yeah. CVCOA and the Mitzvah Fund and Meals on Wheels Wellness Clinic. I mean, what a great combination! You're you're getting yeah. the whole family. That's yeah. really great. And, uh, we're, we're our first one was actually last November in Randolph, and uh, I believe that we are going to uh, do that. So we're almost up to our second time around with them, which will be great. Deb, I have to give a little shout-out to Andrea Stanner, who all most of us in Montpelier know. She had a wonderful article about the Mitzvah Fund um, in, um, in the newspaper, and I, and I really wanted it was at the Vermont Daily Chronicle, and I, I would, people would, should read that because there are, there is a couple of stories. Oh, my word. I, I can't imagine your day must be filled with stories of... Um, Bonding between the seniors and the and the animals and and what animals bring to a family bring to seniors um, and uh, my dog as everybody knows is slightly spoiled but one thing that I didn't think about very often is dental care 
and how important dental care is, well, not only to humans, for heaven's sake, but, but to our animals. And um, that uh, her article really focused on dental care and the importance uh, for our animals. And you do a lot of that work, and I think it's really important for people to pay attention um, to, to the dental health of our puppies and all animals, yeah. for that matter. Yeah, it's it really, um, I'd say about 90% of what we do is dentistry. Um, and huh. it's primarily because it's the number one cause of heart disease and kidney disease in dogs and cats. Because every time they swallow, they have to swallow all that bacteria in their mouth and their heart and their kidneys have to filter that out. So it's so important um, that, you know, folks just take note and bad doggy breath can often mean much more than just bad breath. Um, and, and dentistry is uh, arduous and it takes a long time. And most of our dentals are very severe dentals. So they are often four hour anesthetic events. We have a hard four hour stop. Um, and, uh, and often we have to break it up and do them in two separate events, like come back two months later and, and do the other side. Um, just because they have so many issues in their mouths. Um, dogs and cats do great without teeth. And what I tell folks is that often we're taking all the problems and pain out of their mouths. So right. um, they often will eat dry food better than they did before or eat biscuits gumming them because they it doesn't hurt anymore. Um, yeah. So, yes, we do a ton of dentistry. Um, Andrea actually did that article for the East Montpelier signpost, um, mm-hmm. and then they, uh, you know, put it out to other um, uh, other syndications. And then um, the other article that was great um, was Will from the uh, Bridge did a really great piece that really put together a lot about all the different um, aspects of seniors and, uh, the, you know, the need for veterinary care. Um, and our Facebook page, I try really hard every week to write up um, our our surgical case stories. Um, and then our website also has some uh, little blogs of all the different cases that we've seen along the way. So folks can uh, get their fill there. Yeah, no, some, some make your eyes kind of water up a little bit because you're there going, oh. Because uh, yeah, you can imagine the love and the and how concerned people are but the the dental thing just i mean i bring my my dog but they don't tell you they're in pain these animals they just they don't they're incredibly you know, they, stoic they move along and and then you find yeah. out they've got five teeth that need to be extracted what is that uh, i know you know meanwhile humans you know like we have one little tooth that hurts a little and it's like all we can think about um, I, I don't know if their if their pulp cavities are like not as painful as ours. I, I don't know. I don't know why they still uh, like that they aren't grumpy and you know not eating. That's right. often we take teeth out that are they just look so painful as we're taking them out, and we just can't believe that they haven't been complaining more. Yeah, no, they just well, my I, I talk about my dog all the time, but she had diabetes and had to have because of the glue of uh, the not glaucoma, um, cataract. Glucose. She had, a, had yeah. to have an glaucoma. eye yeah. removed. Be, uh, an eye removed. Mm-hmm. After that, there was a marked difference in her personality, and I didn't, yeah. I didn't notice it beforehand. 
we I, I we was, just oh. did a we just did a dog um, that uh, his name is Cooper. He was I think on our Facebook, and I think I got him up on as a blog. He needed a ton of teeth removed, and he had a he has glaucoma on both eyes, but one eye especially terrible. And we, yeah. you know, it's very hard for owners to like wrap their heads around having to lose an eye. Um, and often what we try to tell them is once the hair grows back, you're like barely even going to notice. Um, yeah. And she has come back and said, you know, he's going up and down stairs again. And, you know, they, yep. they stop doing things because they have a headache. And glaucoma especially is very painful. So I'm glad but you made your dog. I'm, I'm sure removed. you would know this. One day they had the, they drained the eye and it was at 60 pressure. And the next day it was at 90. Yeah. And I said, all right, Ugh. that's it. Just do it. Yeah. And I know. Yep. And, and afterwards, she was like a completely different dog. And shame on me. I, she, because well, she didn't look like she was it, complaining. And I felt so bad. But anyway. I know. It's, um, it's just they're, they're, too, they're too kind. <laughs> yeah. You know, they humans are. would have been like in a puddle in a, you know, in bed. <laughs> help me, help me. I know what yeah. you do is amazing. Could you, if people want to volunteer do you take volunteers and also if they want to um, uh, help out financially could you tell them um, how to do sure this? sure so um, we do take volunteers we have a volunteer form on our website um, uh, primarily the, the biggest thing we need are rides uh, there's a there's a lot if, if I could come up with a way of um, having folks drive a lot of our patients around that would be great um, and so the volunteer form is on our website, and that's the mitzvahfundbt.org. Um, and uh, you can donate on there. Uh, uh, there's multiple little buttons to do that all with. Andrea is in charge of all of that, and she does a fantabulous job. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, the, the biggest thing is if um, we do low-income seniors, unhoused, and um, and veterans and our unhoused population has gone from like let's just say numbers it's it's more than quadrupled in the last oh. uh, two months so um, uh, what happened at the at the ice rink is is that anybody that couldn't find housing was moved to the hilltop hotel in Berlin so now the hilltop has a ton of animals there um, Many of them are patients, and we're hoping to do a spay-neuter clinic uh, up there at some point. Um, but if anybody has any uh, dog food or cat food to donate, that's a wonderful place to donate it to. All of your food shelves are desperately looking for dog and cat food. Um, and I just want to thank Guys Farming Yard and, and Pet Food Warehouse because they have been outstanding in donating food all over the state. Um, and then, you know, most importantly, I think that uh, if you know anybody that would fit into our, our um, criteria, um, just we need everybody to understand that we're, we're a small little group of very feisty women that are trying our damnedest to get it all done. But um, we are, you know, uh, right now we're about three weeks out to get people in for their Friday appointments and then... Once we get all that blood work and everything back, we schedule them out, and we're between six and eight weeks just to get everybody into surgery. Unless there's some emergent need, then we make it work. But um, patience is definitely necessary. And uh, the CBCOA clinics, 
we try to stay closer to home in the winter. So um, I think we're going to do Twinfield and uh, either Barry or another Waterbury event because Baby Huey is terrible in the snow, as you can imagine. <laughs> um, and and I'm afraid he's scared of driving him in the snow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. I am too. That's yeah, you know what I've, tw- I've twenty four thousand pounds. Yeah, that's amazing. I love the name though. Um, do you when when people are volunteering when you've got these abuse cases? There's a lot of training I would assume that needs to be provided for the humans. Um, to be able to deal with these dogs because they're they're protective of themselves. They're I'm sure they're just uh-huh. scared to death. I mean, how how you can bring them around and know, I, I think it's just, um, and show them that it's finding your finding the quietness inside of you and uh, um, and often our foster homes it might take them a month or two to you know, get the animal to seek them out or follow them around the house or, um, you know, even get into a routine that other people can walk into the house and they don't go hiding. Um, And I I often will tell people that the dog that you get when you, uh, you know, bring in a a foster um, in a year, it will be a completely different dog. So um, if you like them now, you're really going to like them in a year um, because that's often how long it takes them to settle in. Well, and I'm sure these dogs that have been through lose, you know, just like kids, and they've lost their home. They've everything. Their their routine is completely upside down. Uh, they don't know, like in the ice rink, their new environment, and it just takes a special person to get through to them and make sure that they know it's okay, that they're safe. That's why I I always I we have always had pup dogs, and we've always had um, uh, rescue puppies because yeah. those dogs within an hour. They know where they are and that they're safe. And the loyalty and the love that that you get from a rescued dog is just unbelievable. We, we were we were just saying that yesterday at the at the clinic. We just said, uh, you know, these rescue animals, they love you so hard. Yep. Um, know. You know, it, 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 if you have one that you you know have purchased, it's always good to go get a rescue dog because often the love yep. you kind of get all all sides of it yep. um but they are very very thankful i know i i agree and we've never not had a rescue animal because what they've been through they deserve a great retirement i we've usually had older dogs yep. since it's the first time we had a puppy but um but they just bring so much i don't know so much joy they give you a purpose Anyway, Deb Gladman, I can't thank you enough. I am so delighted that I have learned about the Mitzvah Fund and all the work that you do. And God bless you. That's well, Pat, really amazing. I hope. Well, Pat, thank, thank you so much, and thank you for doing what you do and letting all the Vermonters know what's all out here for everybody to to volunteer for and care about. Absolutely. Well, Vermonters are a step up. I know that. Anyway, thank you very much. This is Tom McDonald, your host for Vermont Viewpoint on WDEV. I'll see you um, Tuesday.